The scripture reading for this evening comes from 1 John chapter 1, verses 5 through 10. This is God's word. This is the message we have heard from him and proclaimed to you, that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. This is the word of the Lord. Well, good evening. It is good to be with you all tonight to get to open up this passage from 1 John. It's one that I've been meditating on for the last couple of months, getting ready for the beginning of the fall semester at UAB, where I'm a campus minister. And so I hope that um, some of the things that I have reflected on can also be helpful to you. I think that it's true that life has some aha moments to it. Right moments where things are no longer mundane, but something clicks and um, you realize something that you didn't before or um, life just has really exciting moments to it sometimes. Just uh, not last week, two weeks ago, my son was on his third swimming lesson and I was getting a little skeptical. He's three and a half and he just seemed like uh, he, he had two lessons and just no progress seemingly. I had expected him to kind of come right out of the gate like Greg Leganus or something like that. But he wasn't getting it at all. And then finally on that third lesson, something clicked. And, you know, he had this big grin on his face like, I think I know how to kick and um, swing my arms at the same time. And it, it was really exciting to be there for it. And life has those moments, doesn't it? But more often life's not really lived there, right? It's lived in moments that are much more mundane, in any religion or um, any, any book about personal growth worth its salt has to teach you what to do in the mundane moments, in the moments that aren't very exciting. And in the Bible, that's especially called walking, you know, your, your walk with Christ. And that phrase gets thrown around a lot you know, sometimes, but in the Bible, your walk is just sort of what you do in ordinary life, like Israel as they wandered through the desert, their walk. And this passage tonight, it's all about walking in the light. Um, he says that in verse 7, But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus his Son cleanses us from all sin. And so John in this book is wanting to teach us what it means to walk in the light in the mundane moments of our lives. But first he's going to sort of unveil what it means to walk in the darkness. He wants to put it in the negative this is walking in the light. What does it mean to walk in the darkness? And he sort of shows that there's two ways to walk in the darkness. One is to flip the light off and reject the light completely. And that looks like more extreme vices, I guess you might say. Um, but there's another way to walk in darkness as well. And that's to sort of throw a blanket over the light so that it's dim. You can still see it. You're not rejecting the light completely. But you've sort of... Um, made it dim enough to where you can be in its presence. But it's not, it's not the real light because you've thrown a blanket over it. 
And so John is going to contrast that, walking in darkness, with what it means to walk in the light. And walking in the light, he wants to show us, where is the light? How can I see it? How How can I locate it? And then how can I hold fast to the light in these mundane moments? So, first, what does it mean to walk in the darkness? And John, if you ever read First John, it's wonder, he sounds like kind of a tender old man. Anybody have a really tender old man in their life? And John is like this tender grandfather, and he's speaking to his children that he loves. And he even uses that word sometimes in John. He'll call them little children. I'd be strange for your pastor to start to call you my little child. But that's how John referred to these Christians here. And so he loves them and he wants them to understand what does it mean to walk in the darkness. And really for us this means that John is primarily um, concerned with, with a supernatural point of view. He doesn't just see a city with, with policemen and citizens and people that go to work. And get married and have children and who die. John sees beyond all that. He has this supernatural vision of the world. And when he talks about darkness, he doesn't just mean people doing bad things or people doing things that we wouldn't prefer or even things that hurt. He's not talking about pleasure versus pain. But when John means darkness, he, he has in view this supernatural um, vision of the world. Going all the way back to the beginning of the Bible, this evil being named Satan. And so it's this presence of evil that John wants to highlight when he's talking about the darkness. And the first way he describes the darkness, and you know, what, what is it like to walk in the darkness? He says in uh, the very first verse here, This is the message we've heard from him and proclaimed to you, that God is light, and in him is no darkness. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. And so he's talking about these people who walk in darkness. They walk around unable to see what's good, unable to do what's good, unable to, um, that they have no willpower to recognize and to do the right thing. And this is what I meant by, this is the kind of walking in darkness where you just try and shut the light off. Where, you know, in big, bold letters, rebellion, um, you can think about the rebellious son who rebels from his family. Um, you can think about um, the prodigal son, right, who runs away from the house. Big, bold letters, rebellious. He's walking in the darkness. He's rejected God and sort of just wants to live however he wants to. To walk in the darkness means that we've cut ourselves off from that thing that gives us life. It's like saying, yeah, you know, I've heard that this over here, God and his ways gives me life, but I don't buy that anymore. And I'm content to forget about him for as long as I possibly can. And to continue down this downward spiral of walking in darkness. All the while, this person walking in darkness still has a vague idea of God. And they sort of have a vague notion of um, who God is. I'll, I'll never forget at UAB. I had been on UAB's campus for um, about one year. And we had had this great kickoff event. Uh, you know, Chick-fil-A and Still City Pops were there. We're feeding all these students on campus. 
And this, so after everything is kind of over, there's just a few of us sitting around, um, kind of putting things up. And this guy comes up to us. He's kind of chit-chatting at first. But then it's very clear he wants to sell us drugs. That's why he's on UAB's campus. And the thing that struck me was that we were right in front of a dorm at UAB. Like, we weren't in a, in a back alley somewhere. We were right in front of the dorm at UAB. It was the first day of class. So for people who had moved to UAB from all over Alabama, this was their very first experience as a freshman of what UAB would be like, their first day of class. Um, and that was terrible to, to, to kind of hurt for them. Like, this is the kind of place they moved into, where right in front of the dorm, where everyone can see someone wants to sell you drugs. But then he sort of found out we were Christians, and he wants to talk God with us. And it's obvious that he has kind of this spiel, this kind of spiritual spiel that he gives people, where he can kind of rattle off some Bible verses. This is the kind of darkness that John is talking about at first. Someone who is committed to walking in darkness, and yet believes that they still have some sort of vague fellowship with God. That... Yeah, 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 no, I don't go to church. Of course not. I'm not like those people that go to church. Cause, because I'm, uh, I don't know how to say it without it sounding corny, but I don't go to church. I'm just kind of living the real life out here, doing what I can. But I still think that I have this vague fellowship with God. And what John is trying to say, what he wants, uh, what he wanted them to see, and what um, the scripture wants us to see is that you can't do that. It's impossible to do that. And I think there's a tendency, even in the church, or an attitude even in the church, where we might not be walking in darkness, but we sort of flirt with it, don't we? If you're a Christian, you kind of know what it feels like to flirt with the darkness. And for that, maybe to even feel overwhelming to you sometimes. You know, like when you feel sunk in sin or kind of covered in shame, what will you do? And I want you to remember this, if that's you tonight. If you feel like... You are walking in darkness. And you, and you may still be a Christian, but it just feels like you are. Remember Christ as he died on the cross. What does it say about him? It says that he was crucified at the third hour. And at the sixth hour, there was darkness over the whole land. Jesus knew what it felt like to be in the darkness. He knew what it what it felt like in his soul and in his mind to be surrounded by darkness. Not that he was sinning, but he was surrounded by it. And and under the judgment of God for those who'd walked in darkness. And so consider tonight, even if you feel like you're walking in darkness, God's mercy might be hovering over you, calling you back to him. But John wants us to see that there's another way to, to walk in the darkness. And so... Um, Some folks just sort of reject the light. Yeah, forget that. But then other people kind of throw a blanket over the light so that some of the light can still get out. But we can avoid its full brightness. We don't have to deal with the light as it is. And this is the second way that John wants us to see that we can walk in darkness. And he spends a little bit more time on this because it tends to be the way that Christians kind of flirt with walking in the darkness. 
He says in verse 8, If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. And he repeats it again in verse 10. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. To walk in darkness in this way is to affirm sin in a general sort of way. You'll sometimes hear someone say, yeah, I messed up, the whole world's messed up, everything's messed up, yeah. Look, I'm not perfect, everything's messed up. But they can't ever confess their particular sins particularly. I know a few of you have uh, read the Westminster Confession. It says that we ought to confess our particular sins particularly. In other words, they cannot own on a deep personal lover level, I'm a sinner. I'm not going to make it on my own. I'm messed up. I'm the problem in my family. I'm the problem in my marriage. I'm the problem at my church. I'm the sinner. And John is saying that you cannot have fellowship with God and walk in the light while you walk in this, this kind of darkness. And of course, this is what churches tend to be full of people like this, that do good things and go to Bible studies and stay married for 50 years and look great on the outside. But on the inside, they cannot admit that they're sinners because they've dimmed the light in such a way that they don't have to give themselves completely. They're always hiding. They're always kind of shifting to avoid someone seeing them for who they really are. What, what does this feel like to walk in the darkness? I read a book last year, Fates and Furies. Um, it was on a couple of the you know, best books of the year list. And the book is about a couple, Lotto and Matilda. And at one point, the, the woman, Matilda, is reflecting on her marriage. This is what she says about her marriage. With the gift of marriage came the bitter seed of regret. The unbridgeable gap between the Matilda she was and the Matilda he had seen her to be. She wished she had been the kind Matilda, the good one, his idea of her. She would have looked smiling down at him. She would have heard, marry me to the world. Excuse me, she would have heard beyond, marry me. To the world that spun behind the words. What she's saying there is is she's reflecting on the regret she has that in her marriage she always hid herself. She could never give herself completely over. And, you know, if that is miserable in a relationship, what John wants us to see is that we can do the same thing with God. And walk in darkness because we do not want to be exposed. We don't want the light to come into our hearts. So that we can finally admit, I am messed up. I am the sinner. I am the problem. What, that's what John is saying. If you say you've not sinned, we make him a liar. God himself. Because God says, look, I am light. And I've come to shine my light into your hearts. To reveal who you are. That you might see me for who I am. Your redeemer and your savior. There's a, there's a, a label that... Uh, the Pharisees gave to Jesus in the Gospels, and that was a friend of sinners. And so this person who walks in the darkness, this is what they cannot see. That Jesus came to be a friend of sinners and an enemy to those who cannot admit 
but they're sinners. This is what it's like to walk in the darkness. So now what does he say about walking in the light? This is the most important part of the passage and the most crucial thing to understand as we feel sometimes like we have flirted with the darkness and perhaps we're even walking in it. What is John saying about how we can walk in the light? And he says this in verse 7. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus his son cleanses us of all sin. And then he repeats it again in verse 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. What John wants us to see is that we have to remember the blood of Jesus. When I first became a Christian, I went to um, churches that were a little bit more Pentecostal in their bent. And something that I heard a lot in these churches was apply the blood some, you know, sometimes they would, they, they would apply the blood. And I heard a lot more about the blood of Jesus, it seems so then. And John wants to, to, wants to emphasize is that the way out of the darkness is to see the light of God as it's been revealed in Jesus Christ who bled. Who bled on the cross and died for us. Remember what the scripture says about the death of Jesus. That they put together a crown of thorns and they put it on him. And they were, uh, they began to salute him, hail king of the Jews. And they were striking his head with a reed and spitting on him and kneeling down in homage to him. And this is after Pilate had already scourged him, the blood of Jesus. Which John says is what we have to see to walk in the light. And what he wants us to remember so that we can walk in the light. What does it feel like to walk in the light? It looks like having the, the, the crucifixion and the sacrifice of Jesus so plain in your mind that you don't forget it even when you're changing diapers. Walking in the light feels like having the cross of Christ so indelibly printed in your mind so that even when um, you know, you're having that argument in the kitchen or when your friend sends you that text that you didn't want to get. Even in those times, we remember the blood of his son. That God promises that all of our sins are wiped away through. And it's in that way that we walk in the light. Not in the darkness, hiding from the light. Or not in the darkness, kind of throwing a blanket over it so that we don't have to admit who we really are. But we walk in the light by remembering. God has promised to cleanse me of my sins. He will do it. Not me. It depends on him and not me. And this word justice really brings this out. If you look in verse 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just. He is faithful and just. Justice in the Bible looks like God's uh, ordinary and proper and realistic reaction to evil in the world. That feeling you get when you see an evil being done on the news and you think, we ought to get that guy. This is the same idea that God has towards sinners, towards you and me. That because we we have ourselves done evil, that God has this sense of justice towards us. Um, You can imagine, I don't know, if uh, one of the elders here came and like, Slapped me in the face right now. What the reaction might be. 
Um, now, you can imagine if uh, this same elder here at Red Mountain, I'm not recommending this kind of thing, somehow found the chief of police in Birmingham and was able to slap him in the face and then you know, go up to the president of the United States. The same thing is happening, right? Just a slap in the face. But the degree of offense is going up and up and up. And this is what God has revealed about himself, is that there is no greater authority that we could offend. There is no greater power. There's no person's generosity who we could reject that would be any more important than God himself. And he's saying, I've done that. And you've done that. And you deserve my justice. But instead, on the cross, what does Jesus cry out on the cross? He cries out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Because all of that justice was put onto Jesus Christ on the cross so that you and I might be forgiven. John is saying, remember that. Walk in the light. Jesus took your shame. Jesus took your guilt. And he swallowed it whole. And he's big enough to do that because he's infinite and eternal and unchangeable. What sin do you think you have done that an infinite and eternal and unchangeable being couldn't take care of? Only if you were God, yourself, God might have trouble with that sin. If you were God and you sinned. But we're just his creatures. And he's our Heavenly Father and he loves us and just wants us to remember, I died for you. Walk in the light. And, and to trust that it's his faithfulness that's doing this. If you look in verse 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful. It's not about your faithfulness. It's not about how good of a mom you are or how good of a dad you are or how good of a doctor or a lawyer or how accomplished you are. It's his faithfulness. And when you've had those days where you feel like a failure, it's his faithfulness that calls us to look to the light and to walk in it and to trust it. To light our path that we might take one step in front of the other and change one more diaper. Or, you know, do one more feeding. You see this most clearly, I think, in how Jesus talks to the women at the tomb when Christ has risen from the dead. And, of course, the women arrive there and they find the tomb empty. And the words that they hear are, you seek Jesus of Nazareth? He's not here. He's risen. See the place where they laid him. But go and tell the disciples, and who else? Peter. Peter who had denied Christ. Peter who knew what it felt like to walk in the darkness. Go tell Peter that I've risen from the dead. And that my light, that light that had come up as sure as the morning sun. They went to the tomb as the sun was rising. Go tell Peter about the light that I've come to shine, about the forgiveness of sins. I love Peter. And God wants us to know I love sinners and my light is for them. So finally, what does it look like to hold fast to this? And you really see this in verse 6. He says, if we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness... We lie and do not practice the truth. Walking in the light means remembering Jesus' blood 
and trusting it, but also holding fast to our fellowship with Jesus. Holding fast, because it's not easy. Um, I used to think that obeying God was the hardest thing. I don't think that anymore. I don't think obeying God's the most difficult part about following Jesus. I think believing in him and remembering him and putting my faith in him and trusting him is the most difficult thing. And so John is saying, hold fast to him and don't hide in the darkness. Don't hide who you are. I've come to expose who you are in order to heal you because I'm life. The same way that a good doctor has to give some bad news so that he can begin the healing process. The Lord Jesus comes with bad news. His light comes to expose us. It does. But it comes to expose us that he might heal us. And the scripture wants us to see that we should hold fast to Jesus. Don't let go. Um, A great thing for us to pray would be, Lord Jesus, would you draw me after you? Help me to walk in the light so that we might walk together. And the most amazing thing about this is that it's true that for a time we have to hold fast to the light. But there will come a time where we no longer have to to strain to hold on to Christ and to walk with him. But there will come a day where we arrive at the light. When we are bathed in the love and the light of the Son of God in the new heavens and in the new earth. When there is no sun and there is no moon because the light of the glory of God gives light to everything. Hang in there. It's going to be worth it. Hold fast. Because in the end, the light will reveal the glory of God in the face of his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Remember the blood of Jesus that cleanses you. Trust in it. Lean on it. And hold fast to him. You know, because this is the, this, it's the, it's the fatal mistake of walking in the darkness. Holding back yourself from God. Either by... Either by rebelling against him, I'm just going to do my own thing, forget about this. Or by just kind of hiding and doing the Christian things or being a good guy, but never giving yourself with integrity to Jesus. Here's who I am. Take me as I am. You know me better than I know myself. Um, Let's pray that God would, would do that in our hearts. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for forgiving us of our sins, for shining your light into the world and especially into our hearts. Would you please help us to walk in the light, um, to remember you and trust you and hold fast to you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.